Hello, fellow Lolsters. Today we have Radhika uh, with us. Um, and uh, uh, it's a, her debut book today. We are going to talk about and uh, very excited to have a young writer. To, you know, we always have either very experienced writer or an you know illustrator or a, a, today we have a debut young author. Um, welcome, Radhika. Over to Danya to a, for a proper you. introduction. So yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Radhika Iyengar is the author of her debut book, Fire on the Ganges: Life Among the Dead in Banaras. She's a graduate of Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism, New York. Radhika won the Red Ink Award for Excellence in Indian Journalism and has been a recipient of Charles Wallace India Trust Fellowship, the Sanskrit Prabhadath Fellowship, and Sangam House Residency. We're very happy to have you on the show, Radhika. And thank you, thank you, thank you so thank much you so for yes. yeah, being here. Honored, uh, Radhika. Uh, very happy. And uh, uh, let's start Honored with the, yes, and let's start with the theme of your book, maybe. And uh, could you please share with us the reason behind uh, your, you know, <clears throat> picking this theme, uh, a unique one, I felt uh, well, when I read your, about your book, you know, let's begin with that. Um, mm. So how did you pick that uh, theme? Uh, sure. So uh, my book, Fire on the Ganges, uh, focuses on a small community of corpse burners uh, called the Domes in Banaras. And um, it delves into their everyday lives, their realities, and um, it it's it describes their conditions, um, what the corpse burners um, do every day, where they work, which is at Manikandika Ghat. Mm -hmm. um, it's supposed to be considered to be the holiest cremation ground in the country. Mm. Um, and domes are a Dalit subcaste, mm. um, and um, even though they are, you know, in Hindu society, it is believed that the domes uh, have the ownership of something called a sacred fire, which has been burning for mm -hmm. centuries. Okay. And um, it is believed that if a devout Hindu is cremated um, using the sacred fire, they will receive moksha which mm. is this liberation from the cycle of death and rebirth. Mm. Mm. Um, so in that sense, the domes are, uh, you know, their fire and by extension, the, the work they do and the community is regarded as, um, they're quite important in the whole, um, in performing the last rites mm. um, in Hindu society. Mm. But at the same time, they are considered by... Um, several um, dominant caste Hindus as untouchables. Mm. Um, and so this dichotomy is something which um, really interested me. And uh, I, I came across the, uh, actually I was in, uh, you know, I was pursuing my master's in journalism at Columbia University in New York. And I had to um, work on a thesis project and I was looking for, a subject and uh, I, I you know the multiple uh, things subjects that I, I was considering but I one day came across one article on the dome community and and uh, that really uh, stirred my curiosity in one sense and I wanted to know more about the community mm -hmm. 
Um, and the more I researched, I realized that there wasn't sufficient information available on this community and mm. whatever information that was available um, was was anchored to their work at the cremation ground. There weren't mm. other aspects of their mm. lives that were mm. um, looked at or uh, explored. Mm. And um, so I, I decided that that is um, something that I would like to do. Mm. Uh, so... You know, so this book follows the lives of um, five to six individuals from the community who, um, you know, are trying to take um, reins of their own lives mm. in one sense um, mm. and lead a life different from the one that is accorded to them. Because this is a, uh, you know, the the profession of burning corpses is a very mm. um, caste bound profession. It's inherited mm. from father to son. Mm. Mm. and um, the domes don't really have alternative professions to um, choose from. Mm. Um, so, uh, so, so my book actually tries to follow, for example, the life of a young man from the community who is the only uh, person from the community who has managed to um, leave the basti mm. and pursue higher education. Okay. Um, so he's studying in another in a in another city. But uh -huh. over there, he hides his past and his oh. ident identity. Oh. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's about him, about uh, how how he manages to pull himself out of um, a very, um, you know, from pull himself out from the city and um, and study very hard. He's very ambitious. He's very intelligent. Um, so he's one of the people whose lives I follow and I try to see whether he's able to um, completely, um, you know, move away from uh, from this caste bound profession and uh, whether he's able to really achieve whatever he wants to achieve in life. Mm -hmm. So um, and then there are, of course, other people, other individuals from the community whose lives I follow as well. So Oh, great. Mm. Okay. Okay, so uh, I, it, it, it's, it's a very different and a very, you know, unique theme that you've taken and handled. And I'm sure you had to go meet the community, talk to a lot of them. And I understand as a journalist, you have an experience in doing such things for your work. So how different was uh, you researching, uh, like first-hand research, I mean, like direct research, how different is you researching for journalism and you researching for non-fiction? How different is it? Um, I think it was it was difficult. It was quite an intense pro process. Um, it took a lot of commitment, a lot of focus, and um, one also had to come to terms with that things will not always go your way. So, mm -hmm. um, so my answer to this question can, is is a very long one, and we'll be here till tomorrow. Uh, but in a nutshell, um, like I said, it it involved a lot of hard work, a lot of research, and um, one needs to be very certain of the story they want to tell. And um, in this regard, like I I looked at an at a narrative structure, I tried to come up with a chapterization, mm -hmm. um, and those became my guiding points as to what. Um, what kind of research I would need to do in order to tell an authentic, um, fact-based, 
rigorously reported piece uh sorry not piece a book um sorry i'm i'm a journalist so i keep talking about articles and pieces but in this regard of course i'm talking about the book and um it so you know it involved countless interviews it involved going there um you know i i reported over a course of 8 years um right. so it involved getting to know the members of the community establishing a, a a relationship with them um establishing a kind of um understanding and level of trust um where they felt secure enough to talk to me and um and reveal things about their lives and open their world to me so um that was a very um that took time you know it wasn't easy to build that level of trust especially when one is an outsider um and the moment and you say easy. you're a journalist <laughs> you know yes <laughs> yes So yeah and I mean they would look at me from a very initially I think they did look at me from a very skeptical um uh, you know they looked at me very um uh they they weren't sure what my uh reason was to come and talk to them and to want to know about them and um so I had to tell them that I was writing a book and I was interested in knowing about their lives their traditions their um the what their aspirations were because nobody um wants to grow up to become a cops burner so i i was very keen to really understand how um the dorm men for example how they have been um you know how working at the cremation ground impacts them psychologically also mm. physically because this is a very dangerous kind of work um mm. you know you are lighting fires you're mm. handling dead bodies mm-hmm. um of course it's going to affect them mm-hmm. um and and they don't want to obviously when you're young children if you are told that you're going to grow up to cremate corpses mm. and that's mm. where your life mm-hmm. um ends i mean that's what your life is going to be about mm. that this is your work that this is the only way you're going to earn a livelihood mm-hmm. by cremating the dead yeah. that's i mean that's a very how how would as children child, that yeah. really impacts you yeah um so uh, so that was my process to try to understand how everyone from the community is coping with uh something that is deeply caste bound um and how are they leading their lives on a daily basis especially when they're considered untouchables mm. um by many dominant mm-hmm. caste hindus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what uh, made you decide on writing as a non-fiction rather than a fiction uh um i'm actually like i said i've i'm i'm a journalist and i have been uh in the field for the for over 10 years now mm-hmm. and um journalism non fiction is something i thrive in mm-hmm. and um i i think i have i enjoy speaking to people getting to know about them their lives um and i'm uh, also 
interested in telling their stories. Um, when it comes to fiction, I think it's it's a great um, it gives you a lot of uh, liberty in one sense to um, explore a very imaginative universe, and um, you know you can build characters from scratch or you can um, build a composite of characters. Um, and I I somehow I'm, I'm I prefer sticking to um, writing about the people fair who enough, I meet. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. if, if I like yeah. fiction to read and write, of course. If you yeah. if you like nonfiction to read and write, it's uh, it's the same. But I have a question here. Um. So you are actually reporting as it is, uh, or or can I say there is some element of uh, creativity there where it comes? If I can know about that, please. Um. In terms of uh, creative nonfiction, uh, I think at the end of the day, one has to tell the story, mm. uh, but that has to be based on facts and mm. Um, mm. solid mm. groundwork in reporting. Mm. Um, when it comes to fiction, I think, uh, you know, you have to have a narrative structure in place. You yes, have to yes. have, you know, there are, there are character developments and then there are timelines and um, even interesting plot devices like cliffhangers yeah. that one can use. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think when you're writing about, when you're writing nonfiction, you, you can use those same tools for okay. telling your story. Okay. In terms of uh, having a narrative structure in place. Okay. Um, in, in terms of character development as well, because I was following these, uh, you know, a few individuals, their lives over a course of okay. eight years, okay. I could uh, map the trajectory of their lives. So okay. the character development happened there. Okay. Um, and interesting plot devices, like I said, cliffhangers or um, all of those really oh, okay. help telling okay. the story, mm, which mm, is mm. fact-based, mm, mm. um, but it's telling it in a way so that the pace of the narrative is um, is strong mm. and, um, you know, the reader is kept engaged. So mm. I think from That's that point of view, it really helps. Oh, brilliant. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, nice. So uh, I understand that it has like six different characters and you you are, uh, you know, uh, basically ensure it's, 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 there is some chronology to where you're basically following their lives through a, course of eight years and you've used various uh, techniques and uh, tools that are sometimes used in fiction when you use such techniques does it uh, does it take away the like there is some uh, you know uh, i don't know I'm, I'm not sure what to call that like 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 a, like a form of uh, like like Honest abstract truth yeah, rawness and abstract truth, truth, truth when it comes to nonfiction, which fiction you have to, the writer has to build that authenticity. Whereas nonfiction has it on its own, it, because it is a story, it is a real story. So it has that rawness and it has that, you know, uh, abstract truth. So was it uh, tough for you to achieve that, having these tools of fiction, I mean, using these techniques of fiction in a nonfiction? Am I making myself uh, clear? Um, I, I don't, I don't think it was tough. 
Uh, what mm-hmm. I did work with, I think before I started writing, I had mm-hmm. already ha- um, had a lot of material because I'd done mm. a fair amount of reporting. So I, I already knew which direction the book um, or the stories were heading. Um, but I didn't know how it's going to end. Um, so when, when it came to writing the book, um, I had already done a, you know, a lot of transcribing of the interviews and I, I've, oh. I've spoken to them and I've had like, I think hundreds of interviews that, uh, that were there and I needed to transcribe. And when I was doing that, um, I, I knew that these are the important points that I need to focus on. Um, this is going to be the core of the narrative storytelling um because i wanted to of course um give the backdrop of the, um you know the Manikarnika. ground mm-hmm. which is manikarnika ghat and i wanted to give the readers the an understanding of what manikarnika ghat is like what it is like for dome men to work over there mm-hmm. uh, for for every day mm-hmm. um uh, at, at a very pitiable amount of um money Mm. Um, so you know that was the backdrop that I knew I had to work with and mm. then I wanted to go deeper into the lives of each of these individuals mm. what it is like to work as a cops burner so I spoke to um, cops burners and then there is Mohan and Akash two mm. individuals whose names have been changed but I interviewed them and their stories are in the book um, there is Bhola who's this young man who who I spoke about earlier who leaves um, Changhat, which is mm. the neighborhood uh, mm-hmm. or the Dome Basti. Mm-hmm. Um, Changhat is also, I changed the name to protect the uh, identity of the people who I've interviewed. Um, so he, um, so Bhola is the person who leaves Changhat, who um, goes to Ludhiana um, to study, to pursue a higher education. And, um, and then there's Dolly, who is uh, a widow. She's a young widow with five children. And, um, you know, I, I follow her life, how she um, sells all her jewelry and she opens a small shop right at the threshold of her one room home. And um, and, and she does so is uh, so to um, earn a livelihood and to support her children. And that creates a lot of stir within the community, a lot of resentment within the community mm. because women are not allowed to widows work, widows um, are... or earn rather no not not only widows women okay. in general in that busty in, okay. in the dome community okay. are not expected to earn or, or yeah. have any kind of uh, financial independence so um so and then so i follow her life how she hmm. um tackles these kind of this backlash that she she um suffers and hmm. how she sort of um, pulls out of it and becomes a woman of sheer resilience. Um, sure. You know, mm-hmm. and I map that trajectory, like how she was quite naive mm-hmm. um, before. And by the end of the book, you see a complete transformation of her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so these are the kind of stories that I am telling. Um, and these are real people who have lived these experiences, living so very these, real lives. These people who are, you are following are from this technological world, right? 
and i was wondering how deep was your research did you talk to them about their ancestors are you bringing in some of the some of the ancestral stories also okay. share with us yeah. about that please um so i spoke to uh, of course them and and their families and i uh, spoke i also spoke to an elderly couple so i have i've spoken to a fair amount of uh people in that community mm. and um what is also interesting is that um for someone who uh belongs to an older generation their idea of caste is very different from someone like bhola who's this mm. young man mm. um and uh and if you really look at bhola he's not trying to hide his caste because he's ashamed of who he is mm-hmm. he's very proud of him of um his identity mm. but he is also very he fears this backlash or a repercussion that he might potentially encounter mm-hmm. if um if people in his college if his classmates or his teachers mm. got to know who he was mm-hmm. um because uh, from his own experiences he has um face that um kind of a distancing mm. uh, by people who from dominant caste who who when they learn about who um he is mm-hmm. uh, or which community comes from they distance themselves from him mm. and um of course we we even in the city a fair amount where of, he went even in the city yes mm. uh we have like india we have a fair amount of um um incidents mm-hmm. inc- incidents that are uh that that describe how um prevalent caste violence is and caste discrimination is in our country um and it continues to take place mm. and when it comes to the older generation so uh when when the first time one of the first times when i went to chandghat i met this elderly couple mm. and um they uh they just place their palms together and mm. you know i saw them shrink their shoulders in words to make themselves oh. look smaller appear smaller and not take up too much space in my presence um and it was like it it was more of a like i don't know how to describe that experience because they did not who I, did not know who i was but they knew that i was someone from quite City. visibly someone from a dominant caste uh, uh you know someone from dominant caste and class and um and caste is so deeply ingrained in their psyche they that shrink. they thought that this was the way of greeting someone and mm. i was i was old enough to be their granddaughter mm-hmm. you know mm. so it, it and then this 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 experience of mine which i feel is so so um it became even more relevant because yes. um recently i read uh where uh, read an article where uh, an elderly dalit man was um beaten and you. uh you know he was tied up and you. uh assaulted because um he was assaulted by two dominant caste men and he he was uh, 
abused and uh, ill-treated because he did not greet them uh, with folded hands. So, you know, I mean, this continues to happen even today. Um, and it, it's, it's a very disturbing society that we live in. And, um, you know, you, you try to understand where, uh, where humanity is. At, I know. At, uh, I know. At this stage. I mean, like you said, yeah. Bola, he's in Ludhiana studying. For example, you keep saying, I follow. I want to understand. Are you in touch with him? For example, he's in first year of his graduation, second, when he's going to third year, what is what are the things he's going through? Do you keep so much of uh, 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 interaction throughout? Do you do that? Yes, yes. Okay. So when we meet Bola in the book, he is in college. And of course, now mm. many years have passed. Mm. So he's, he's in a different place now, a okay. uh, different city. Oh. Um, but yes, I was, uh, I, I was constantly in touch with him. Um, mm. I, I, I still am very much in touch with him. Mm. Um, but during my reporting also, I used to speak to him on the phone. We used to have video calls, um, mm. whenever he, uh, you know, had some free time or, or on weekends. Mm -hmm. Um, and he would tell me about his experiences. So all of mm -hmm. that is recorded in the book. Mm. Um, by the way, I just want to show my so, book. So <laughs> nice. So nice. Uh, Yes, of course, if, of course. If, um, Quite a if, big uh, 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 book. I mean, it's a thick book yes. from what maybe. And uh, um, so, how long did you take? I mean, must be seven to eight years. All the yes, eight years. Mm. Yes. Mm. Mm. Very nice. So, to know. how how different was your editing process for the book from your editing process that you go through for your journalism as, as for your career? I mean. Or did you have any part in editing the book? Or did you use external editors? How did the editing go? Sure. So um, when it comes to writing articles, I think editing is 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 a breeze in comparison to editing a book. book. Um, and I mm -hmm. say that because an article would be, what, 1,000 words, um, 1,500 words. Um, long form, of course, is, is a different ballgame altogether. But um when i was uh, working on uh, this book and once the once i'd submitted my manuscript of course um it had its own rounds of edits and i also worked with a sensitivity editor mm. um for this um mm -hmm. so so it was a, it was a it was a very um very sharp and clinical process of editing um where, where you know, I think in terms of readability also, mm. I got feedback about how to change a few things. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because as a as as a as a writer mm -hmm. uh, and a journalist alone, you can't do the job. I think uh, it takes it takes a team to do it, mm -hmm. and I really feel um, the editors who I work with were really supportive, really on board. And uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm certain, I'm 100% certain that they made this book much better than... Uh, I'm interested in knowing the, about the sensitivity editing, please. Can you share with us? Uh, because this book is a sensitive book. That's why I think I would like yes. to know about that yes. case. Thank you. So um, 
this book is of course it it deals with a very sensitive subject um and um how was it done like as sensitivity yeah editing uh so for the sensitivity reader to come on board she uh, of course we would uh, share batches i would okay. send um her uh, my manuscript in batches and then she would go through it she would mm-hmm. um read it give me her feedback and then mm-hmm. we would work together and make those um changes or tweaks or um and i think in this day and age it's it's very important because um especially for someone who doesn't belong from the community of course i'm a journalist and i'm mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. um true to my profession i think um you know if one if one writes with empathy and mm-hmm. um is sensitive and uh, asks very informed questions and has done her research and is is committed to um to uh, spending time with the community and really trying to uh, show their lives in in the most sincere and genuine way um while sticking to facts mm. um i think that's that's what a journalist job is and what they should do okay. um and that's that's what i have done as well mm. but uh the sensitivity reader of course um is someone who who um helps make the uh, the storytelling or the narrative more um you know more i think uh how do i how do i put this she 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 was just making sure that cert, uh, certain things were said uh, written in a certain way which it might it because in this climate in today's political climate we you know certain things can get misconstrued even when uh-huh, things are not yeah, yeah. meant to be um, yeah. in in that sense and uh-huh, so uh-huh. of course uh, so um so yeah from that point of view it was very helpful but but um, and i feel that a lot whoever is working on on a book mm-hmm. um that deals with a sensitive issue should mm-hmm. should have a sensitivity so where where, where do you strike a balance in such a because yes i i can understand we don't give any scope for construing right okay fine but uh, sometimes you want to say something through a sentence but your sensitive editor says if you're going to use these two words it might become too overly controversial do you want to change it yes you you want to change it also but you would uh, rather have one of the words only the other word you will change what happens then so that liberty is at the end of the day with me with um ah. she she would give her suggestions mm. um and if and if those suggestions make sense where i feel that yes mm. um this this is this is a fair point then of course mm. yes. um the change will be made but mm. if if she has misinterpreted uh, something and um given a suggestion which i feel is maybe not factual or maybe mm. not mm. fitting the um uh, the and the she took your explanations yes she would That's and she good. would understand also because i would i would tell her that this is why i'm mm-hmm. not going to make this change and then she would understand because mm-hmm. we would have those conversations mm-hmm. um and so um i i think one also needs to have that kind of a relationship with your yeah, yeah. editor your sensitivity so editor so who suggested well, the you... sensitivity editor to you is that is the publisher who suggested 
No, no. I I wanted to have oh, a sensitivity reader. That's very professional. Yes, that very was nice. Very nice. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. But my publishers were also on board. The moment I recommended mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. having a mm-hmm. sens- sensitivity reader on board, they mm-hmm. they were very willing. So, so I think that was so very how. Nice. How yeah. was your publishing journey like? How was, uh, like, did you submit it to um literary agents or did you directly approach publishers, the uh, cover letters, the rejections? How did that journey go? Um. So when when I started writing, um, when I started reporting on the on the community, um, I'd already done, of course, a fair amount of research because, um. Like I said, I'd I'd worked on my thesis right after my thesis. Of course, I had in a, uh, quite a bit of material to work with, but it wasn't sufficient. And um, there there was a period when I, of course, was applying for grants and mentorship that would um, further help my reporting. And um, and during this period, I faced a lot of rejections um, uh, for grants and. And there was a point where it almost um, broke me because um, I just didn't feel like reporting anymore and um, almost quit. Uh, I almost quit writing my book. And um, I think I, I didn't write or report for two months, um, after which I realized that I, um, I I needed to come back to my, uh, my manuscript. And um, because I also felt that it was some this was a subject which is very important and and um the stories really needed to be told uh so 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 i'm also a like i practice buddhism mm. and uh, there's a story that um that i you know uh, they teach you while um you know as a pr- practitioner and i'll share it in layman terms um so that you can understand but um, the idea is that suppose you're traveling to a particular destination um, and it takes you 12 days to reach that place. Um, and it's a rigorous ter- terrain and you're, um, you know, and it's, you, um, how do I explain it? You travel and uh, you, you spend many sleepless nights traveling. And on the 11th day, you're really tired. Mm-hmm. And you decide to quit and tell yourself, you know, it's not worth it. Um, I can't do this anymore. And you decide to head back rather than, you know, moving towards your original destination, mm-hmm. um, which is just one day away. Yes. Uh, so then all the efforts you've made over that period is all wasted. Is, is equal to nothing. Yeah, it is all wasted. Um, and you're just a day away from yes. arriving at your destination and so um so that was something I really imbibed and I told myself that listen I've you've done this hard work um and you need to keep going so but once so I decided that my next step should be writing a proposal um and pitching it to a literary agent and um I you know I I I had these fantastic uh, literary agents of mine um, uh, called, you know, and, and they work at uh, a suitable agency and they were interested in my book proposal from the get-go. So that was that was a very validating moment for me. And then um, and then they 
helped me pitch my book to to different publishers and uh, from these six well-known publishing houses showed interest so mm. that was a huge vote of confidence for me so that's good um from from then on things just um mm. things moved mm. positively lovely yeah yeah that's that's like a see it's it, you not just the story of domes but your journey of publishing this book itself it's very inspiring because yes. i have never heard of someone take like the research so seriously that they had to take 8 years just for research yeah. and just to understand and just to completely know the story before they started i mean before i'm sure that you had a writing while you were listening to their stories but like you said it had the, the end or where it was going to stop you could decide only as you kept writing the book and i understand how jarring and how exhausting the journey would have been as well mentally and physically but i would like yes. to know how the fellowships and how these awards that you have received and the mentorships that you have received have helped you in publishing this book or have they helped you in publishing this book so um i like i said i began my reporting around 2015 and um around 2019 is when i um of course i received one grant um called the sanskriti prabhadat fellowship uh which helped me report but uh, that was around i think 2017 and um and then i i did a fair amount of reporting and then in 2019 i uh, became a writer in residence in um at sangam house um residency which is in bangalore and i think that's when i really sat down with the material i had and i started writing um and and so i really feel a place like sangam house or any place where you can become a writer of residence for me it it was just a different kind of freedom because when you are working at home um or you know i i was of course at that period of time i had a full time job so i would uh, work and then come back and then work on um you know i would work on my journalism articles at um at my full time job and then i would come back home and then i would work on my manuscript and it became very very difficult um to do so so at that time i would i would transcribe instead and but the moment i got the residency um because i was be, uh, able to be away from my home where there were no demands of um you know answering doorbells or yeah. uh ordering groceries or um other uh demands of of running a house you know um i could just focus at this residency on this priority which was writing the book and i feel for for anyone who is an aspiring author um one needs to apply for um residencies uh because they really they become enablers they help you just focus on something um on a on a project that you are really committed and passionate about because you know at home there are other distractions and um 
and someone can not always write um which i mean of course i did that also i did write my manuscript while i was at home as well but i feel uh, a residency is really supportive in that sense to um enhance your writing experience um and at um a residency like sangam uh, there were other authors who were also part of the program and of course each one of us were working on our own books um but there was also a sense of camaraderie so if one needed to brainstorm an idea because they all we all knew who's working on what mm -hmm. so um you know we could brainstorm ideas or also just because our writer's journey is very solitary in one sense and it does get lonely sometimes but mm -hmm. uh, but just to know that there is another author who's going through that same experience um of just working and reporting and researching and it's 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 very rigorous and it 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 can get very um taxing also sometimes um and so but but if you know that there are other people who are going through a similar journey it's just it though that's how residencies help um i missed i missed become, that uh, the literary agent who represented you who was that a suitable agency a suitable a suitable agent. agency okay 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 so uh, i'm 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 very sure that though the book is non fiction there are there are there are, i'm very sure that it would even be a good adoption if it was picked for screen which yes. was it's a, it, it looks like a very nice and a very yeah a sensitive a screen, story screen yeah, material, yeah yeah screen worthy screen worthy material i'm sure mm. I, i i just hope that the next time we meet you you'll have you would have had some contact with someone who can make it into a screenplay and some some form of more uh, you know publish uh, uh, how to say publicity and more uh, promotion to your book happens in 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 screen as well and i i just uh, i just wish you uh, yes wish and hope that it happens yes but sure. uh, yeah. i just have uh, we just have one last question after which we'll go to the next segment of this uh, session and uh, Uh, my last question to you in this uh, segment would be um how have uh, book reviews and uh, social media helped you in promoting and uh, you know pushing the book forward um so social media and book reviews i think uh, book reviews are very very important once a book is published especially for debut authors or authors who have published um one or two books because you're still trying to um create a space for yourself in a very competitive market um mm -hmm. and and when it comes to promoting a book i feel if 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 you've done, if you've written a, you know a book of extreme um a book that is important um right. then uh, you really hope that a lot of people read it and and get right. informed uh so for example when i was working um on this book when i i would speak to people about it many people right. didn't even know of the existence 
of a community called the domes or that mm. there's a community that specializes in cremating corpses or that this is highly caste-ridden profession uh mm. so so from from that viewpoint the the idea of writing this book and documenting their stories um was important so that people become more aware um about their existence uh that they mm. the domes are no longer invisible um in society which which you know they are at the moment uh, even though during covid they had you know fleetingly been um documented during that period but after that and again that documentation was only limited to their work at the cremation ground so um so when it comes to book reviews i think it's very important to because because that's how people and potential readers get to know of the existence of books um and social media is also something which is uh, which is something that helps promote the book um but having said that like i feel that as long as you have a good um a good book and you're confident about it i think that's what matters and people will find it any which way so so how many times I, I don't know did you no, of course question. you of course you did so how many times did you go to varanasi and uh, uh, when was the first time you went so the first time i went was in 2015 um mm. that was when i when i started you know working on my thesis mm. um and then over a course of 8 years i went there quite regularly and then mm. uh, the times when i was not there physically mm. i was always in touch with them okay. thanks to technology um, I know. <laughs> you know I, i i could do video calls with them yeah uh, and and really know what was going on and how certain events were shaping in their lives yes so um so that that was really helpful but mm. yes i was constantly in touch with them and i would go to uh, uh varanasi quite often for reporting and uh like i said i have countless recordings and interviews which and and many many notes that uh, that are there mm. um with me so we are, we are moving recording. to the world of w danya you may want to tell about yeah so uh, it, it, the next segment of the session is called world of w's world of w's is nothing but w questions like what when where and all that uh, so if a listener could not sit through the entire session they could just scroll down to here and just listen to a gist of it and understand what we have spoken in the entire session so they would be you know they would get a, a snapshot of what we spoke so my first question to you in the world of w's would be uh if you could uh, what, what was the name of your publisher and your agent if you could let us know uh my publisher is harper collins and my agent is a suitable agency oh good so what's your next book about i have uh, a few ideas that i'm considering but but uh but everything is at a very 
I think those ideas are at a very nascent stage. I can't really discuss them at the moment. Hmm. Can we expect fiction from you or yeah. are you going to stick to the non-fiction part? <laughs> um, at the moment, I think I will be sticking to non-fiction. Mm-hmm. But I think in Got the future, maybe it. I will explore fiction as well, God willing. So where can our audience find your works? Uh, so there's my website, which is mm-hmm. com. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, which is mm-hmm. at the rate Radhika underscore IY. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just, I think, uh, Google um, articles by Radhika Inger, you, you'll be able to find okay. some of my mm-hmm. writings. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we would like to know, uh, because as I as Ms. Jainty had mentioned, your book is a thick book. So... How many, how many drafts? How <laughs> okay. yeah? How right now? How many pages is it? And what? I'm I'm sure it had a lot of drafts. Like you had a first draft, second draft, and all that. Like which was your largest draft, and how much have you reduced it to when it was published? Um. So it's about three twenty pages, or slightly over um, three twenty. It's around that that figure. Um. When when I submitted my manuscript, it was about. I believe it was close to one lakh words. Um, now it's it's somewhere around eighty five to eighty eight thousand words. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So uh, I think I think that's all. It's from us. Uh, we would like to know if you have any parting words for our listeners and aspiring authors who are interested in writing nonfiction books, and if you could share with us how you felt through the session about the session and everything. Oh, thank you so much. I've uh, I've had a great time. Um, this was quite an engaging conversation, and um, I think I would tell aspiring writers if if you are if you have a book in mind um, or anything for that matter, any big project that you are working on, um, you need to. Stay committed to to it, and I know there will be times when you will feel like giving up, when you will wonder whether you are the right person to tell the story, or whether you've done enough work. But I think, you know, one really has to battle one's mind and um, really stay very resolute on their path because. Um, at the end of um, at the end of the whole experience, uh, you will feel very rewarded, and you will certainly feel very um, like you've achieved something which you've always wanted to achieve. So I think um, one should just stay very committed, even during the dark times. <laughs> I know, I know. Thank you. Very important. Thank you. I think Thank as, you. as, Thank as, you as authors, you would know. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> we have had enough. It's it's case. hard. It's hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. We hope this episode brought you a little bit closer to your love of literature. Thank you.